0: Uh, Good morning, Riv. Uh, If you've been following along, you would know we are going through, we're in a series going through the book of 2 Corinthians, and this week we're diving into the third chapter. But before we dive in, I'm going to do something a little different today. I'm actually going to start with a prayer. Uh, So if you would pray with me, that would be awesome. Uh, Thank you, Jesus, just for today, just to be gathered and uh, in community. I just ask that you... Uh, use me um, to speak your word uh, of truth and and uh, yeah, just guide uh, my words, give me the discernment of what to say. And I just ask that if anybody I came today uh, looking for something, looking for uh, uh, something fulfilling, uh, that they find it in you and, and in your word. I ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now. I'll, I'll never forget, uh, if, if you didn't know, I'm a musician, and I'll never forget when I first started getting to playing music, uh, I was in high school, me and my friend Mikey, we had started a worship band called Kingdom Worship, and we were a pretty big deal. Uh, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Our, our first concert we threw in the gym of our church, and we had a total of one attendees. Uh, yeah, what a time. Uh, anyways, I remember we, uh, we wrote a couple original songs for our group and started to perform them around at different churches and events, and our music was a mix of worship and rap and hip-hop, right? Yes, I rapped too. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm not going to show you or give you any demonstrations. Um, but I remember the first time we got invited to sing at our first Event. it was a concert event that was thrown by a church on the south side of Lansing. And of course we were a bit nervous, right? Like it was the first time we're gonna uh, perform our original music, the first time we've ever performed at a concert. And, and I remember like it was yesterday, we had got done with our set because we were pretty early on, right? We are new, so we're, you know, we're at the starting half of the, the bill. And uh, so we got a chance to just sit and watch the rest of the concert. And, and, and uh, I remember we were really excited for the main event act because the main event act was this group, this Christian hip-hop group that was from out of town. And the MC was hyping up this group the whole time, like in between each uh, act that before the, the main event, they are like, hey, you want to stay because it's going to be awesome. You're going to, you know, don't miss out. Don't leave early. And so the, the anticipation was building up. Now, the crazy thing is that nobody really knew who this group was because they're from out of town. All they knew was that the host of this event, uh, of this event uh, said that they were worth uh, staying to listen to. And I remember looking up the website of this group because they had a website before we had got there and, and looking at all of the supposed people that they had performed with or opened up with, and I was impressed. I was like, man, this, is, this group's going to be really good. They had, like, perform, I guess performed with uh, some Grammy award-winning nominated artists and, you know, people like Lecrae and DeTrue. I don't know if you listen to Christian hip-hop, but that's, that's big. Uh, so nationally, I think everyone had an expectation for this group, and, and we're excited to hear them. Until they came out. Um, now, when they came out, everyone was a little bit confused because one, this, this group, this hip-hop group was comprised of a 40 old Caucasian male. Uh, it probably, you know, like in, in his, the other two members of the group were his sons. One was probably like 17, 18. The other one was like 10, 12. Now, I didn't judge them by how they looked. You know, there's, there's some Caucasians that can rap. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to hate Plus, I still had some expectation, right, of their performing experience that they had online. So, you know, uh, all the artists that they opened up for, it was, it was really impressive. So I was waiting for that, thinking, like, they, had to, they have to be good. Well, it was evident from the start of the first song that they had no experience performing at all. Uh, in fact, to this day, it, it had to be one of the worst performances <laughs> In music. And I'm not being judgmental, I'm saying it was actually one of the worst performances in music I've ever heard in my life. And I remember everyone in the crowd, the look on everybody's face, everybody was in confusion, in disbelief that this was the main event act. And I mean, it was, it was really bad. There, it, there were some people that left, there were some people that were laughing, like, all right, when is. This has got to be a joke, right? Like, when are they going to actually get into it? And they never did. Um, but it was clear that this group was not experienced. And we learned on, later on that this the website that they had created was was fake, so all the people that they said they performed with or opened up for never happened. But it was honestly, looking back on it, it was honestly one of the craziest uh, moments of our life. In fact, I... Uh, just found the flyer of this event (laughs) Uh, recently. I'm not gonna show you for, I don't wanna expose nobody. Um, But I I showed my friend, I was like, hey, you remember this event? He was like, man, that was crazy. Uh, But I say all of this to say that this crazy experience and many other experiences that I've had, not just this specific one, has taught me that impressive resumes and name dropping, Mm -hmm doesn't really amount to much if there's no substance behind it. I mean, we live in a society where we often judge others based on their accomplishments, titles, and credentials rather than the fruit of what they produce. And I think Paul knew this. Uh, It it sounds like this is where he's coming from at the start of chapter 3 because he says this, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need like some letters of recommendation to you or from you? Now, if you don't remember, Paul, while writing this letter, is facing some doubts and criticism from a group of people in this church in Corinth. In fact, there's this, this, this group of people that have assessed Paul's life and came to the conclusion that he is not Uh, as impressive or even worth listening to because he is being compared to some of the appealing teachers and preachers that have came through to Corinth. So Paul is constantly having to remind them that they are focused on the wrong things, on the wrong people. His authority is constantly getting questioned because uh, uh, some more impressive people have came along with seemingly more impressive credentials and recommendations uh, uh, than he has. So Paul starts off by telling them, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? And he sounds like a dad, right? He's using the word again. It's, it, it, it's clear that this isn't the first time that, that he has seen this or addressed this among them because he says, again. He's saying, like, seriously, y'all? Like, are we going back to this self-centered lifestyle again? Then he says, or do we need, like, some letters of recommendation to you or from you? Paul is addressing an issue that is going on among them. He, he is somehow aware that they have been given access Two of themselves, of, of, of fall, two false teachers simply off of the letters of recommendation that they had brought to them. You see, back in Paul's day, uh, it was all about who you knew. That saying is, is not about what you know, it's about who you know. That saying was still true back then, but even more so, uh, you see, the Roman structure of society that they were living in uh, was built on connections, if you were connected in some way to, to a, a big, powerful person, you would flex that and use that to your advantage. You would need letters of recommendation to get into certain exclusive groups to learn under famous teachers, to get into certain military positions. It was, it was a way of climbing the social ladder in their society. And I don't know what you might be thinking, like... That sounds real similar to today. Yeah, I was talking with one of the pastoral residents over at Rio last week, uh, Alfonso, and he was talking to me a little bit about his experience. He was in the NFL, and uh, he was expressing to me uh, how he learned uh, that he learned how cold hearted the NFL business is. It, 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 he said, It's really about who you know, your connections and there is evident favoritism. He said one of the coaches of their team that they were on uh, t- told his friend, uh, who was a great football player, he said, look, I know you're better at this position than the, than the starter, and you should probably be starting, but I like him, and, and uh, he's too connected, and it would cost us too much to replace him. I mean, that's, that's crazy, right? Somebody who's better, but he just doesn't have the connections. It's all about who you know. But we all know that this idea uh, of a life built on connections, on recommendations, is not sustainable, uh, that in most cases people can misuse and abuse that. I mean, have, has anybody ever recommended somebody for a job and regretted it? It doesn't always work out. And um, now, don't get me wrong, I don't think that Paul is against letters of recommendation. I mean, even he himself has, has uh, used some and some of the colleagues that he respected have used letters of recommendation. What I think he is getting at here though is that it is just absurd that he even needs to bring letters of recommendation to them in the first place. Why? Because they already know him. He's the one that planted their church. That's why he says next, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. He says, you are our letter of recommendation. You are the proof of God's workmanship. Sure, other people that you know, may have came with impressive letters, but look around you. You're all the proof that we need. And guess what? This proof, this letter of recommendation, you are known and read by everyone. I think that is beautiful. I mean, have you ever looked at your life or somebody else's life and thought, man, I don't need any more proof that God is real and active in humanity than this person's life? I think of people like my mom, crazy testimony people like my wife, you know, like crazy testimony. Some of my friends who people never thought would even enter a church building now are believers. I mean, that's it, it's a beautiful thing to be physical evidence of God's work. And I love how Paul in this next section clarifies that them being his letter of recommendation actually has nothing to do with his own credentials. He says You show that you are Christ's letter delivered by us. He's saying Christ is the author. You are Christ's letter. We're just the deliverers. We didn't do anything to make this happen. It's all Jesus' work. We're just the messengers. And guess what? This letter, it's not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It's not written with ink. It's not man-made. Paul's saying this letter is from Jesus. So it beats any physical letter that any of these false teachers could bring to you because Jesus is the author, which means it was written before any of their letters. It's permanent and it's perfect. Why? Because this letter is written with the spirit of the living God. I mean, just think about that for a moment, uh, written with the spirit of the living God. I think Paul was very intentional in his wording here because he could have just said the Holy Spirit or the spirit of God like he does in other places, but instead he says the spirit of the living God. And this is actually the only place in scripture where this full expression is given, so it had to be, Intentional. It's important, spirit of the living God. The spirit of God is living, which means it's active. It's, it's, it's at work. It's not temporary like ink, but it's alive and active. Then he goes on to say, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So not only is it not written with ink, but it's not written on tablets of stone. Instead, it's written on tablets of human hearts. So we have the contrast of, uh, of ink in the spirit of the living God, and now the contrast uh, of tablets of stone and tablets of human hearts. As we'll find out later uh, as we move on in this series and go through uh, the rest of Second Corinthians, this mention, of tablets of stone is most likely in allude to the law of Moses and Exodus in the Old Testament, AKA the old covenant. And anybody who knew the Torah would have picked up that this is what Paul was referencing here. And in the same way, uh, he, he also contrasts that with the mention of the spirit of the living God and it being engraved on human hearts in allude to this new covenant. And if you were Jewish or had any knowledge of the Old Testament prophets, which would have been a good amount of Paul's audience here, you would have also knew Paul was also making a reference here to Jeremiah 31 and his mention of the tablets of human hearts. So so let's take a quick little detour. Uh, Let's put on our Old Testament hats, Uh, just so we could have some context of what what Paul is getting at here. Uh, Jeremiah 31, 33 says, instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So just some really quick context here. Jeremiah is a prophet in, in which God sends to his people, uh, the Israelites, the Jewish people, it, to basically tell them that Babylon, this big savage empire, will come and overtake Israel, Jerusalem, and, and take them into captivity. They will be exiled in a foreign land. But it's not for no reason at all. He didn't just do that for no reason. But, uh, but it's because the, uh, they have been disobedient, Been caught up trying to do everything themselves, leaving God out of their plans, and overall just getting further and further away from Him. So, what's God's response? He 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 shows them that just how He could give them these things and bless them, He could also take it away. So He takes everything away from them. The promised land that they have been waiting so long for, He takes it away. He uses Babylon, this, this nation of pagans, to overtake them and make them slaves in Babylon, a foreign nation. But God doesn't just leave them there. He gives them uh, uh, some future hope in this situation. He gives them some, uh, uh, a little bit of a positive future to, to, to hope for. Uh, This is where just two chapters before, right, we get that famous verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For I know the plans I have for you. Which is always taken out of context because it's in the the middle of their exile and it's a promise that's 70 years away. So yeah, think about the next time you read that verse. Uh, But anyways, he also gives them this new covenant. God tells them, I'm making a new covenant for you guys. It won't be like the one I made uh, for your ancestors, a.k.a. Moses and them. Because y'all broke that covenant. It was obviously too much for you to handle, uh, hence why you're exiled. So instead, this will be my covenant to you guys. I will put my teaching within you all and write it on your hearts. I will be your God and you will be my people. Okay, so now let's Go back to New Testament hat, switch it off. Let's read the last half of this verse from Paul again. It says, Not written with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. To be clear, if you were listening to this letter from Paul in the first century, you have had all that in your brain going on, all that context of Moses and and, and Jeremiah, this contrast between the old covenant written on tablets of stone and this new covenant written on tablets of human hearts. Understanding that God made a new covenant because his people were insufficient to even carry out and follow that old covenant. You know what's easier than reading off of something and following it? having it engraved on your heart. It's a sense of permanence. He's saying the, the law, that's, that's ink. That it's temporary. It didn't work. But the spirit of the living God is permanent. It is active and at work in the hearts and minds of all those who believe. Then he says this. He says, such is the confidence we have through Christ before God. God. I want to point out that this is not any kind of (laughs) self-confidence, but this is confidence from where? From God. Through Christ. Any kind of confidence, any other kind of confidence is vain, is pride, is self-oriented, but it is only through Christ that we can have true confidence. And Paul understood this. This is, this is why he's making sure this church in Corinth understands that any boasting or pride he has is only found in and through Christ. And he explains why in this next verse. And, and also with it, he also answers a question from the last chapter. If you remember from last week, in chapter 2, verse 16, he asks a question. He says this. To some we are an aroma of death leading to death, but to others an aroma of life leading to life. Who is adequate for these things? Who is adequate for these things? Well, we find out because in this next verse in chapter 3, he says this. It is not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy comes from God. So who is adequate for these things? God. Surprise, right? God is adequate for these things. God is the answer. Now, I don't know what some of you guys are thinking. Of course, yeah. That was no surprise. I already guessed the answer a long time ago because God is always the answer, right? Like in Sunday school. Um, But if I'm being honest, it is so easy to forget this. It is so easy to forget that our adequacy comes from God and not ourselves. Like, that sounds so good, right? Like, our adequacy comes from God. Amen. Alright, guys, I'll see you next week. Imagine I end like that. Right? Imagine I just ended the sermon like that because it sounds easy, it sounds good, but it is hard. It's, it's hard to accept that we we actually don't have it all together. That we actually are not competent to claim anything that we've done is because of our own doing. <laughs> That's hard. It's hard to accept. It's hard to comprehend because we live in a world that is full of striving and self-made success, a world that encourages individualism and self-accomplishment. I don't know if you've realized it, but our Western culture, our society has been pushing more and more towards self-centered lifestyles. I mean, social media is full of self-made millionaires and crazy success stories and everyone offering advice and courses on how to become self-made. It's interesting, uh, Pew Research did this study on the sharp decline, there's been a decline in college, college enrollments over the past decade. And, and what they found, is there was two reasons why students were deciding not to pursue a college degree. Number one, of course, finances, right? College is expensive. But number two was that they didn't think they needed it. They felt that they could learn what they needed to without college. You see, this idea that we can do everything ourselves and by ourselves is drastically increasing in society, and yet this very idea is in direct conflict with the truth that Paul is talking about here that our confidence comes from God and that our competence comes from God. Paul says we're, we aren't even competent in our own selves. So how can we be competent in anything else? We don't even really know ourselves. We are, we are incompetent in, in understanding ourselves. Hello, that's why counseling and therapy is even a thing because we need help in understanding our emotions, our feelings, and even our own identity. We don't even know ourselves. That's why Jeremiah says the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? That's the answer. God. <laughs> yeah, so we, how can we say that anything comes from us? when we don't even know who us is. But thank God because our adequacy, our competence, it all comes from God. We are sufficient in Christ in spite of our insufficiencies. We can be confident because we can be competent in God. And I love this next verse because Paul kind of loops it all together. He explains why he is confident, why he knows he's even able to minister to them in the first place. He even gives us this big secret, right, uh, uh, for why he is so successful in winning people over for Christ, why he, why he is even able to be an apostle. Guess what it is, really? The, the big secret. He says this. He... God has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant. That that is powerful. I want to be clear that the word here, before you write me off, uh, the word here, ministers, doesn't mean pastors, doesn't mean evangelists, doesn't mean deacons. The word ministers here, our modern understanding of this word minister can can cause us to just pass by this verse, right? Like, I'm not a pastor, so I guess I'll just skip this section. The, The word ministers is the Greek word diakonos, which refers to either someone who serves as a middleman between parties or as a helper carrying out tasks under the direction of a higher authority. So in short... This applies to everybody, (laughs) all believers. So, you're not off the hook in ministering this new covenant. You're not unqualified to minister this new covenant because we are all ministers of this new covenant. We're all the middlemen and women. I know it sounds crazy, it might even sound a little scary to some people like, that's a lot of weight, right? It's a big task. Spreading the gospel. But guess what? God makes us competent to be ministers. I had coffee with a leader at uh, Rio uh, this past week. And uh, at, at the end of our meeting, he asked me about my residency and how, how it was going, my pastoral residency. And uh, he said something along the lines of, what, what is your biggest fear or concern about the residency or after your residency. And I said, honestly, I get imposter syndrome like most people. Like sometimes I get in my head like, am I even smart enough or competent enough to do this? Because we see people like James and Noel and these you know, people who are filled with so much knowledge. And sometimes I get in my head about that. And he encouraged me in that. He reminded me that my competence my my worth my adequacy it doesn't come from anything that I could ever do because it can only come from God. So even me the person that wrote this sermon spent hours studying it even I forget sometimes that my adequacy and competence comes from God. And maybe you're in that place today maybe uh, maybe you 've um, you 've been worried or or self conscious maybe you have a family member or a friend that is an unbeliever and you just haven 't figured it out or had the courage to tell them about this good news of Jesus or maybe you have been trying and but you 've been trying to so hard just using your own knowledge and, and understanding it just hasn't been working, if, if, if that's you, I just want you to be encouraged and remember that although we are limited in our abilities, although we are sinful people and we fall short all the time, God is still able to use us to minister his good news to others because he is the one that makes us competent. And we can be confident because God is the one that equips us to do it. It doesn't matter our education. It doesn't matter if we got a seminary degree or not. We can all play a part in spreading the gospel because we don't have anything to do with it being successful or not. I'll say that again. We don't have anything to do with it being successful successful or not we're just the messengers we're just the ones delivering the letter and man that that takes a load off right like that's and it is the spirit of the living God working within us that allows us to share the good news of Jesus so we don't need letters of recommendation because our lives are the letters of recommendation of Jesus to the world let's pray God, I thank you uh, just for your word. Uh, God, I ask that if we have any doubts in ourselves, man, the, the devil, the, the accuser is constantly at work in and, and making us believe that we are less than or we are not as competent as, as we can be. And God, I ask that you just, uh, yeah, just rebuke all those thoughts that come. God, I just ask that you just help us to remember your word, that it's not us, it's all you. And I ask that as we go on throughout the weeks, as we have encounters with other people, that we are able to uh, just remember your words and be encouraged that our confidence and our competence comes from you. That it is only through Christ that we can be confident. And I ask all this in your name. Amen.